everybody, and welcome to the Field Guys podcast, the greatest sports mind since Doris Burke. I'm your host, Max Jensen, and with me today is Into the Lab podcast host, Ernest Silva. Ernest, how's it going tonight? Hey, it's going well, man. Excited to be a part of the show. Awesome. We're glad to have you here. Um, so I definitely wanted to start this off talking about uh, Into the Pod, Into the Lab. Um, when did you uh, start podcasting? Uh, we started Into the Lab probably about 14 months ago. So it's been a little over a year. Um, but we start off with a group of guys that just kind of talk sports on social media platforms. And then we just all banded together and started one big sports scientist group. So it's been, it's been really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, if you guys don't know, I was actually on an episode uh, a few days ago. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, definitely want to go check them out. Um, but what inspired you to create uh, ITL? Yeah, so I've always been huge into sports analytics. That's, that's one of my big passions and studying player behaviors and, and understanding a little bit more about what the GMs and the front offices mindsets are. And once I started appearing on a couple of podcasts, I realized how easy it was to get started with the podcast. And so I just said, why not? Let's put some money into it. And so uh, jumped right into it and started getting guys on board slowly and surely. Now we got some females on there too. So yeah, getting an eclectic group of people. Yeah, no, very, very similar to us. And you mentioned um, you, you have a lot of guys that usually come on your show. Um, were these people that you like you knew beforehand or were you able to meet new people in the sporting industry like through your podcast? Yeah, I've never met anybody on my show except for one person that recently became a sports scientist on my most mm -hmm. recent show, Ashley. Um, I've known her for a little while, a few mm -hmm. years, um, but the rest of them, no, I never met them. I met them for the first time in Boston before the coronavirus quarantine lockdown happened. Oh, wow. So yeah, yeah. yeah, we have a live episode where we met each other for the first time and that was really fun. Um, but no, met everybody online. We all talked. Um, a lot of trust because you don't know if you guys are going to come on and be crazy or yeah. um, if it's, if it's going to go kind of South fast, but so far everybody from different industries, from different sports industries, from mm -hmm. uh, different genres, it, it's really clicked. So yeah, no, never met them before, but same mindset, right? Just kind of get our voices heard one way or another and, and work with other podcasts to expand our network. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's really cool. Um, and then another thing I wanted to ask you about, um, so uh, you, you have a study and maybe uh, you could expand on this for people who don't know um, what you're studying. Yeah. So I'm currently in my PhD. So I'm taking mm -hmm. the long route. I, I'm, I'm a bit of a procrastinator, if you could say, yeah. but um, uh, I, I've been focusing on, on behaviors of athletes quite a bit because mm -hmm. we, we study stats so much. We don't really study the psychological stats as much. So um, my dissertation, um, which will give me the doctor title, um, will will be over the athlete's commitment to organizations based off the coaching leadership style. So how a coach actually leads his team, um, does that affect if an athlete or a basketball player stays with the organization longer? Mm -hmm. um, and if the points per game, assists per game, if things also um, are affected by how much commitment they have to that organization. So just kind of an all-around study. Um, and so uh, taking a little bit longer to get the, the cross the T's out your eyes, but yeah, it's been fun. I see Cameron's joining us. How's it going? So sorry about that. Big technical problems on my end. He <laughs> solved no, it though. That's, that's really cool. And you know, not a lot of people are studying stuff like that. And is that sort of a reason why you decided to study that just because it's not very common um, in the sporting industry? 
I think it's it's one of those next steps that we're, we'll be evolving into is the the player relationship dynamics and yeah. how to how how that chemistry. Like I know we all play two K, right? We all play those yeah. games where you see, oh, what's your chemistry level? But we really don't know um, what feeds into that chemistry level. We can guess and say, oh, how friendly they are, how they mesh on the court. But really, is commitment a part of that uh, psychological metric that we don't account for today? And so that's hopefully mm-hmm. the step the study makes in the right direction for in the future. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, we've seen sort of a new wave of analytics um, coming to basketball, but with the stuff you're studying, do you think that could potentially, you know, impact and change the game if, you know, NBA teams start looking at stuff like this? Yeah, I I think it could. Again, I think it's just a step of a number of different areas you could look at. But if Mm -hmm. you could tell me that points per game, assists per game, longevity of career with an organization – can change with how much somebody's commitment is to an organization. And that's also based on how the coach affects them. Then Mm -hmm. I think you can, you can make a lot of different insinuations like uh, since we're watching the Rockets, but would would keeping James Harden, OKC in 2012, would that have been a better plan for Sam Presti and the Thunder than to give him up to Houston and and watch him go? And those kind of questions, maybe commitment comes into play. If averages Mm -hmm. go up because of it, then, you have another thing adding to why you kept them. So just kind of those kind of questions come into play. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I also noticed something really cool on your website. You have like a power rankings tab um, yeah. and you had like a little formula to go with it. So like, how do you come up with your power rankings? Yeah. So I can't give away the formula that would be giving <laughs> away the farm and I'd be put out of business, but uh, we, we basically take several different, it's about 30, I think we're at 34 different metrics we use for each team from little things like consistency to coaching dynamics to player and coach chemistry, which is some things that we focus on commitment. So how many years and tenure a, a players have and coaches have within the same system. And, and then the regular stuff, assist per game, points per game, um, offensive, defensive rating, even um, some efficiency ratings. And then we put those together. Um, I've said it on my podcast as a joke because everybody knows I'm a big Rockets fan. Um, but uh, there is no more efficient team in the league than the Houston Rockets other than the Golden State Warriors when they're at full strength. And so that's why they're, they're my favorite to win it this year. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. <laughs> the, the Rockets were number one. Uh, so I had a, a question about, you said you had all these different metrics going into your power rankings. And like you said, obviously you can't give away the entire formula. But how – obviously saying as much as you feel comfortable saying, how do you decide how much weight to give certain metrics? How much, how much like you think a certain statistic goes into how well a team can do? That's a really good question. Um, and it really is going to be to the benefit of what you examine at, at the general NBA level, because they assign weights already when it comes to advanced analytics. And we take those weights and apply them to our own formula. Um, so like, uh, efficiency per 48. We, we use the per 48. We could be going per 60 and using the advanced metric there, but we decided to use per 48. Uh, for NFL, um, the, the play standards are usually set at 90. We set them at 72 because you don't really run pure offensive plays and garbage time plays. They come into play to that. So we, right, we right, trim right. the fat from that. And so um, it just, it, it just kind of depends on you and who, what, what you kind of go into your analytics with that. Um, for my guys, I tell them, let's trim as much fat as we can to get the bulk of what the talent is. So you're getting about 70, 75% of what the actual output is. And that's where we get our rankings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, I 
definitely important. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and then for our uh, next segment, we, uh, we definitely wanted to talk a little bit of NBA playoffs. Yeah. Um, we, we were actually just watching the end of the, uh, the Rockets Thunder game. Yeah, um, coming into that, show. the Rockets. Yes, that was. So, that was Rocket, hard. Uh, Harden ended up fouling out. Um, but I guess my question to start off, um, do the Rockets have, you know, any problem finishing up this series? Um, I mean, we've seen that they can win when Harden struggles a little bit. Uh, do you think they have a problem, you know, winning this series? So I got a lot of hatred from some of the Rockets fans because I said they're going to have a problem with OKC and then I said there's a chance they could lose. But um, the only reason I say that is because I do attribute to some bad blood between teams. So there's some bad blood between OKC and and Houston. And there's also even more bad blood between Portland and Houston. So I don't want to see that series. Um, (laughs) Although, you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing that series because it'll be be very chippy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Houston's still missing Westbrook. And yeah. that's, that's kind of a huge factor for me. Um, th- getting the first two games kind of gives Houston the edge of, of having some, some more rest and some slack for Russ to come in. But what Russ does is what Eric Gordon's trying to fill, but he's missed 20 shots in the, in the first two games, yeah. and he's not really efficient at all, um, especially coming off of his injury. So I don't think Houston's going to have a problem. I think they'll win game four. They'll go up 3-1, and if they give up another one, I, you know, it's probably just to – uh, it's like a version of a gentleman sweep, um, but no, I think Houston comes out of that series. I don't think it's a, I don't think there's a big of a big issue. I mean, Harden has not played a full game yet, and that's yeah. that game still to come. So, so mm-hmm. I was I was watching that Houston game today. I saw only the first half before I started trying to figure out my technical difficulties, <laughs> and I remember I finished up that that second half or that first half, and I was watching and I thought this game has been really good. And the score is really close, but no way in my mind does Houston lose this game. And watching that, I was watching it. I was like, Houston, they were, it seemed like they were playing more physically. It seemed like they were hitting shots that, like, it seemed like OKC was hitting shots that they maybe shouldn't be, and Houston was missing shots that they should be making, and they were still in the lead. And it felt like Houston had that game wrapped up. I agree with you. I think Houston is going to win the series. What did you see in that second half that kind of lended itself to OKC pulling away? It wasn't even the second half. It was the last minute. They were up oh, really? five with 58 seconds. Yeah. So they're up five with 58 seconds. They give up, they give up an easy layup to Chris Paul, which both uh, Max and I were like, why did they just give that up? I <laughs> yeah. don't know. It was a defensive breakdown. And, and then you had this huge little rift between CP3 and Harden happen at the end that caused – huge delays in the game. Then Gordon slips and falls and it goes out. Um, replay shows it go off the tips of Adams, but the refs call it OKC ball. And then, and then they hit the, th- the dagger three, but then we end up in overtime and Harden fouls out in the first 11 seconds. So oh, you have no, you have no Harden for overtime. The, the big thing about this, this matchup is that Lou Dort is a very physical and aggressive defender and mm. Harden lost 20 pounds before the bubble. So yeah. he comes in here a little bit smaller than his usual size, and and now he can't really uh, bully around like some other bigger wing players can, and so that's going to make him a little less efficient. But like I was saying earlier, if Harden had his regular game tonight, there is no overtime. They would have been up by probably ten or twelve, yeah. and and even if those mistakes happen at the end, Houston's going on to a three zero lead easy. Uh, 
going back to it though, they're up five with 58 seconds. So they're right exactly where they want to be, even on a bad night. I think they keep yeah. saying that over and over. We haven't had our best night. And when that comes, hopefully it's the Western Conference finals or the yeah. finals and mm-hmm. they're at their peak, right? That's what Daryl Morey's hoping. But um, Jeff Green has been absolutely fantastic in the playoffs. Yeah. It's, every, it's every analytics dream to have a, a stretch five that can play the paint. So yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I, I'm i watching this, and the Rockets are, you know, having pretty easy time, um, and they're doing it without Russ. So I'm wondering, you know, if, if Russ comes back, you know, they're really a force to be reckoned with, I think. Um, do you think that they can match up with the Lakers, with the Clippers? Do you think they really have a shot here? I, I still think they're the best team in the playoffs right now. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people will say, okay, Ernest, you're crazy. You're a homer. But let me take the bias out of it, okay? Because I, 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 And if for people who don't know me, I'm, I don't live in Houston, but mm-hmm. I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley down in uh, South Texas, which is all Houston affiliates, so huge Rockets fan. But mm-hmm. let me take the bias out of it. Houston shoots the three ball better than um, – most they're an average above average shooting team but they take more which is what the makeup of that average shooting is so 34 percent is the is the percentage that houston has to hit in three pointers to minimally to win a game so tonight in the fourth quarter um cameron to answer your question a little bit more they crossed that 34 percent into the 32 percent 31 percent when they missed eight straight oh, and man. i knew i knew it was going to be tough to win because if they're not hitting shots then they're not going to win but yeah. when they were up five of 58, again, I was one of those people. I thought the game was over too, but uh, apparently we, you know, Houston sports, but, um, but yeah. So uh, when it comes to Houston's benefit against the Lakers, the Lakers can't guard the perimeter. They're very inefficient. They're bottom three in the league. Um, you can see it in the Portland series. They're struggling just keeping up with the guards. Um, Collins is out for Portland, so they won't be able to crash the boards as much. But the, the thing about Houston is that they don't need to crash the boards to win which is the Lakers' forte is crashing the board. So that's why mm-hmm. a lot of people are picking the Rockets to upset the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Whereas on the Clippers' end, the Clippers can play a better style of basketball than Houston can. We just haven't seen it yet. And that's the big part is that we haven't seen L.A. play that style yet against Houston for seven games. And so we'd have to see that. Um, out of the East, though, the Bucks, the Bucks are uh, – again, I'm a Houston – person so I'm, I'm biased against the Bucks, so um I'm not really worried about the Bucks. although many mm-hmm. people say that's probably the biggest team because they're the longest and, and the biggest just like the Lakers um mm-hmm. but the Celtics are the team that matches up with the Rockets the best I think they have okay. the best counterpunch. they can play five that can spread the floor and, and match you up and it's basically be who shoots the ball better that night that, that'll be a real finals uh Rocket Celtics if, if any yeah yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm a Celtics fan. I'm I'm a huge Boston oh, okay. Perfect. You're homer guy. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I know one of the the big hits that Boston gets is that they have really good shooters. Tatum is amazing. He can play at almost any position. Kemba is an amazing veteran leader. They've got young talent. Jalen Brown, Marcus Martin is one of the top defensive talents in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But one of the big things is they don't have that big just mass put him in the paint and watch him go to work player. They have Daniel Thice who is, is big, but he's not, he doesn't really have the size to match up against those bigger players like Giannis or Chris Middleton. And I'm wondering how much of an effect, because there are a few other teams that have that have similar, not issues necessarily, but hits against them. How much of an issue would you say that is in general in the playoffs going in? 
So when it comes to per possession, um, physicality and points off physicality is about 16 points a game. So if, uh, I hate going back to the Rockets, but it's because the team I study. Um, when you look at the Houston Rockets, they take their size away by, by uh, steals, pickpockets, deflections, and double teams. And so the Celt- if the Celtics were to get into a series with the Bucks, that's exactly how they'll play it. They'll have two people around Giannis at all times to make sure that he can't have an angle on anybody. And then they'll try to in- infiltrate passing lanes to get deflections as much as he can to eliminate – you know, any sort of second moves, hesitations. And that's, that's really how you play defense is you swarm and then you, you, you recover. And that's how Houston plays their defense. And it's exactly how the Celtics will play Milwaukee. Now, when you get to clutch moments and you want to go one-on-one, you'll stick somebody like Tatum or Tice in front of Giannis. You may not be able to keep him from the rim every time, but you can definitely keep him from, from dribbling and, and body him right in the beginning. And, and that's really what you have to do. And I, I don't think anybody else should be on him besides those two players if yeah. you had to pick me because you guys are too small to have anybody else. I mean, you're not going to put Brown on him. You're not going to put smart. Right, I mean, right, right. Smart, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Smart's a fantastic defensive player. I wouldn't be surprised if smart averages two steals a game against the bucks because the bucks yeah. have been so off in the bubble, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, that's going to be a series to watch. Um, if, if it ends up becoming Bucks Celtics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I guess swinging back to the, the Celtics 76 er series. I mean, this seems super one-sided. And coming into the uh, the uh, bubble, my uh, my pre prediction for the uh, the Eastern Conference was actually the 76ers. That was before Simmons went down, so it's a little sad to see them, you know, just get kind of destroyed here. I mean, they yeah, shot yeah. like 29.5 percent in Game Three. I'm pretty sure. So it's it's looking rough for them. But I guess how how have the Celtics um, sort of taken over in this series against the 76ers? So. The Sixers were never going to win this series without Simmons. So mm-hmm. let me just put that out there. The stats don't lie. The numbers don't lie. They didn't have enough output. It, it's supposed to probably be a 4-2 series. That's, that's uh, you know, steal a game when Embiid goes off and his stats are about 150% more than what they should be. Maybe Horford and, and, and Harris on a night together could give you right. another win. Mm-hmm. You know, something yeah, yeah. where they tie some stuff together and Embiid's above average. But it hasn't happened yet, right? We've had some flashes from each player. And Embiid's played over his head, I think, I don't want to misquote, but I think it's like 118% over his head. So it, yeah. it's above his averages, which is, which is fantastic because he wants right. that from a star. But 70, the 76ers problem go way deeper than just the playoffs. They've had problems all year, chemistry-wise. Mm-hmm. They've had problems in the locker room. Um, you know, I was at the ESPN Analytics Conference. where I was presenting with DraftKings there. And, um, you know, when, when we were talking with one of the 76ers uh, owners – the question has already come up. Do we choose Simmons or Embiid if we don't win? And if they're already talking that, then you obviously know that there's been some questions brought forward and, and they're at that point. Cause it was early in the season before the all-star break. So, right. Um, yeah, there were some problems there already. Yeah. And I feel like this sort of proves that if they're going to win, they need both of them. So I don't know why they're talking about trading any of them, to be honest. Well, it's a salary cap issue. So it yeah. comes down to, we can't afford everybody next year. And, mm-hmm. and it was at the time there were some problems in the locker room between Simmons and Embiid that were leaking. Okay. And so, but the fact that you bring up, we've had those conversations just doesn't, uh, it doesn't bode well with me. If somebody said that about, you know, yeah, I'm not going to say mm-hmm. the Rockets again, cause now it sounds extreme. <laughs> Anthony Davis and LeBron James, right. And if somebody said, Oh yeah, we're talking about which are players are future. Like, should we trade away LeBron to keep Anthony with a max contract? You know, I would be saying like, why are we talking about this? And why are we bringing it up in public? So 
that's just just kind of my point. There were some problems with the Sixers that everybody knew about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, another team I definitely wanted to talk about, and maybe the team I'm rooting for a little bit, um, the Raptors. Um, yeah. I say I'm rooting for them. I love Kyle Lowry. He's so fun to watch. Um, um, but they're, they're a very consistent team, I feel like. Um, and they don't really have sort of that, like, superstar LeBron or Kawhi. They got Siakam, but, um, you know, he's not necessarily that – that big LeBron sort of guy. Um, so, so what are you looking, looking for, for the Raptors uh, heading into these playoffs? Cause I feel like they're sort of a dark horse, maybe a quiet team that could make a deep run. I feel like. Here's the problem with the Raptors. They are a fantastic team. One of the top five teams in the league when it comes to their output defensive, especially their defensive identity and their offensive identity. Now, the issue, though, is if you look at clutch clutch stats, which is anything within, within the last five minutes of the first half and the last two minutes of the second half, they rank dead last in the playoffs. They do not have the same efficiency. They do not have the same output. And it's because they don't have a closer. Yep. And, and that's, the big, that's the big difference. However, fantastic regular season team, fantastic team in general. I just think that when they get put up against a team that has one, two, three stars, that's, that's, you're going to see the Raptors go down a little bit. And I, I, I like to call them the Rockets of the East because they have this same analytics mind in the front office. So mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Raptors fan too, man. I'm going for them also. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think, so this is not necessarily a, an analytics question, but do you think they need to win it this year to prove they can do it without Kawhi or is that not super important? That's not, that's not important. You got okay. your ship. I, I, I think, I think the big thing for Toronto for pride is make it to the Eastern conference finals give it a run, right? Because mm-hmm. if yeah. you win your series, you're facing a, a very, very uh, good Celtics team. And, yeah. and that's going to be a, a head-to-head matchup where you're going to have a chip on your shoulder. You're going to prove you're the two seed. And if you do, then you get to the Bucks, and, and if the Bucks are there, and, um, and then you can, have, you can duke it out there. Um, you know, a lot of people were worried about the Bucks too, but, uh, yeah. you know, I poke, I poke fun at them a little bit. But, yeah, they're, they're going to yeah, be fine. Definitely. We'll see them against the Heat. We'll see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, – not, not the cleanest transition, but one <laughs> of the, uh, the series that interested me the most was the Lakers-Blazers series. Okay. Because I, I don't think the Blazers win the series, and I don't, I don't think there are many people who would argue that they can. But the Blazers, I think, are a very intriguing case of a record that does not at all match how good they are. I think Damian Lillard is one of the most underrated talents in the NBA. Um, And I think they are going to give uh, Los Angeles a very, very rough fight. I think they're going to hold their own and exhaust Los Angeles which means Los Angeles comes out of this probably with the, with the win. But that means the next matchup they have is either Houston or OKC, neither of which is an easy matchup. Those are both going to be tough matchups either way. Right. And then probably the Western Conference final, should Los Angeles make it out of that, would be the Clippers, which means the Lakers' path to the finals – is Blazers, Houston or OKC, and then the Clippers. And 
I think a, a big problem that Los Angeles has is they don't have a strong three. It goes LeBron, Anthony Davis, and then Avery Bradley getting hurt, I think, was very bad for the Lakers. So people keep making this pre- presumption that the Lakers are kind of de facto favorites to even make it to the finals. And I'm sitting here thinking the Blazers are a fantastic team. They've already beat them once. Dame is one of the top superstars in the NBA. And then they're coming up against two more amazing teams. And I'm, I'm wondering what you see, how you think their chances are in the, in the analytical uh, perspective. They're the third best team in the West, the Blazers. Um, I have it Houston, LA Clippers, Portland, then the Los Angeles Lakers analytically. Um, This is where you kind of turn, okay, it's not all about the paper. There's still some human elements to it because this is the, this is the fine line in an analytical world. Portland wins a series four, two. Okay. Take that with a grain of salt because that's just analytically LeBron James has never lost a first round playoff series. So I've got to go with history there and say Mm -hmm. that I'm going to take the guy who's never lost a first round playoff series and say, he's going to will his team to the second round. With that being said, if it's four, two, four, three, I'm almost guaranteeing they lose to Houston in the second round. And it's a four, three matchup with, or a four, three, four, two series with OKC. If OKC were to come out of it, because if OKC were to beat Houston, that's another seven game series. They can't beat Houston um, four out of five times without having that extra game. There's no right. way they're going to beat Houston four straight. So, um, so with that being said, it, it'd be a very rough road to the championship, but that's what LeBron got into when he came to the West, right? He said, I want to win. I want to beat the best conference. I'm going to win. I'm going to win on this side. So he's going to take on a Portland team. That's probably a version of their Western conference finals team from last year, because they are fully healthy Four guys that were not healthy before the bubble. Three of them are now healthy now that Collins is out again. And you have, um, you know, a very good Damian Lillard, who arguably is probably top seven in the league. You can say some people have him higher, but I will not put him over James Harden. So if people don't have Steph up in top five, that means Harden six and he's not higher than, than James Harden. So he would be seven in my book. And um, he is, he is accompanied by a lot of shooters, but the thing about Portland and you have mellow there and the mellow factor is a whole nother thing. Cause he's got this chip on his shoulder. He's never beaten LeBron, the, you know, at anything. So let's just, right. just leave it like that. Um, but no, so the Lakers are a big problem because Avery Bradley, I know you said he got injured, but just, uh, um, a little asterisk, he just opted out. So he's just not playing, right? And so um, that kind of hurt because now their defensive guard rotation gets all messed up. And when Rajon got hurt his first game, or actually during practice, I mean, that ruined everything. Now you have Caruso trying to guard players on the outside for all, you know, know, for all whatever he's trying to do out there. And and so – the the Lakers have a real big problem that there's no other offensive identity other than LeBron and Anthony Davis that can consistently make their shot where you have teams like right. Houston who have seven of them, right? Or you, Portland has six. And right. I don't want to say the Clippers are coming off that side of the bracket because I have to see who wins game four before I say mm-hmm. Mavericks or Clippers. Um, right. But whoever comes out of that series is going to take that side of the bracket. I don't, I don't like what either Denver or Utah are doing. Um, so, so, I mean, I don't even know if anybody's watching that series besides me. So, um, so yeah, I mean, so, um, you know, it'll be a tough path, but I mean, there's a path there. I mean, the Lakers play out of their minds against Portland and clean up and the Rockets have a long series or or Thunder have a long series. Then they're the more rested team. 
and then they come in and they maybe win the first two, punch them in the mouth. Now you get to beat us four out of five times. There's a path there. And then, you know, obviously the Clippers never make it to the finals. He might have that edge there. Right. And right. so, um, and, and I, I know LeBron wants to prove it against Kawhi. So he'll be playing out of his mind in the Western conference finals. Now, whether yeah. the Lakers can win in the championship is a different story because okay. that path is what really deteriorates a team. And if you don't have four all-stars like the Warriors do, then it's, it's not a guaranteed championship. And so that's yeah. where I think teams from the East have a little bit more of an advantage. So yeah. that actually, that brings up an interesting topic. Do you include rest time in your metrics for a team, maybe the ranking day to day? And how, how, how do you weight that? So the weight's based on how many days. And then I even, I even sometimes take it down to hours because there's a, there's a, a time period there of 18 to 36 hours where the rest is prime. And mm. then it starts to have a negative effect to your team. So if you're waiting more than three days, we see stats actually go down before they loop back up on our, in our system. So like if, if Houston were to finish a five game series with the thunder and the Lakers played four more days, it actually is better for the Lakers that the Rockets rest longer. And right. so that's, we, we tend to see that then the Rockets get back up to their, their regular metrics, that, that kind of thing, just to use them as an example. I mean, I could use any other team, but they're fresh on my mind because we just watched them. So, right. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so rest is taken into account, um, not during the regular season as much. For football, yes, but for basketball, no, um, because basketball is so fast-paced and you have back-to-backs and, and right. those can come to a tribute. But when we do our power rankings on our site, it's on a, it's on a uh, week-to-week for, for football and a month-to-month for basketball. So we don't really put sure. those – in there but playoff time absolutely that's how we do our predictive analysis when we're trying to pick games yeah yeah and you mentioned that the the rest time after a while does actually have a negative effect um you know relating it back to baseball which i know uh really well like for example like the wild card team um in baseball generally um sometimes even has the upper hand against the number one team just because they've been playing recently um and world series teams that you know sweep the championship series um generally have some struggles um Luckily, not with the, the, the Nats last year, but uh, <laughs> it definitely happens. Um, but you, you did mention the, um, the Nuggets-Jazz uh, series, and <laughs> I, I do want to get your thoughts on that because it's, I don't know, it's such a weird series. And um, the, I feel like for the Jazz, what they need to do is just keep the ball out of Jokic's hands, um, and they, they should be pretty good. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? The size disadvantage actually hurts Jokic. So him losing the weight actually hurt his play. And so if you look at Jokic pre-bubble to post-bubble, it's actually actually had a minus 15 effect on his PER. So he is – he's actually struggled. And I only have that memorized right now because we were just talking about this in a chat and I was looking up the numbers and I said, wow, he really has gone down. So, yeah, it actually has hurt him quite a bit. But the reason I say – that it doesn't matter is because the Jazz fought so hard not to play the Rockets first round because they didn't want to lose first round. They were like, no, we got to fight play that Denver Nuggets team that never shows up. And the Nuggets are like the Thunder. There's really not another gear to their system. Once you get their system down, some players have to play above their average, kind of like the Sixers. And if none of those players play above their average, it doesn't work out. And if anybody plays below it, then somebody ha- somebody else has to play above it. And so it's a very hard system to be very successful postseason with. So when the Jazz got a 20-point-per-game boost from Mike Conley, then that was going to be a, an annihilation. So we'll have to see what the 
what the um, metrics and the scheme are going to be when Denver reacts to Mike Conley being put into the rotation and then see what their, what, what their bounce back is. But like take the analytics out of it on paper, the jazz are the better team. So the Denver nuggets are more youthful. So in the bubble that youthful teams have a little bit more of an advantage, but the jazz talent wise are a better team. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a jazz Clippers or jazz Mavericks matchup second round. I just, I just don't think any team in that series is going to beat the Clippers or the Mavericks. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree there. Um, speaking of the Clippers though, um, Paul George hasn't been, um, Playoff doing, yeah, he's not been yeah. doing great. Um, do you think he needs to get it going for the Clippers to have a shot against, you know, whoever they end up playing, whether that's the Lakers or the Rockets? So Paul George shoots 58% of his shots from within the arc in the regular season, he shoots 58% of his shots behind the arc in the postseason. I don't want to say I know exactly why he doesn't do things right, but if I had to guess, start shooting more closer, or that's not even a word way, way to say that. So start shooting closer, and then maybe you start going back to your, your averages. Um, because you get into the playoffs, you kind of think, oh, this is my shot, this is my moment, and you tend to take right. shots that are not really in your element. Um, and since 2013, we've been missing Paul George in the playoffs. So I don't know where he's disappeared to or what happens, but for some reason, he just doesn't live up to his averages. Um, and for people to say that players like James Harden, Anthony Davis, other players who actually hit their averages that they play underneath Paul George is just a prime example that there's a, that he just, you have to make up for him. And that's, right. that's, that's what Anthony Davis and Paul George both lack are those postseason boosts. And that's why a lot of people outside LA think that there are some flaws, some chinks in the armor for those LA teams that everybody at ESPN team tends to love and pick for the championship. So, mm -hmm. right. And if he doesn't get it going, do you think the Clippers have any sort of shot here? No, no matter yeah. of fact, I don't, I don't know if they get out of both of their series. I don't know if we're okay. talking about them in the Western conference final, but, um, I mean, Kawhi could do it by himself maybe in seven-game series, but you don't want that. You don't want Kawhi putting miles on, and you don't want players playing above their head like Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 well, we're talking about playing over their head. They're barely playing to their head. They had some terrible games. But yeah. we'll, have to see how, we'll have to see how the Clippers come together. They haven't had, but for I think it was for eight games, a perfect roster where everybody's healthy and playing their rotation. And even in those eight games, for four of those games, they didn't play the correct rotation because of foul trouble. So we've only seen a real Clippers team playing their correct rotational minutes for four games, okay? Take that in perspective. If you take the Houston Rockets, with all the injuries they've had, they've had the perfect rotation for 33 games. So if you look at experience and how, how they play with each other, you're going to take a team with more experience. I mean, there's a lot of teams that just use the Rockets because that's the team I study, but that's, mm -hmm. that, that's just a comparison for those two teams. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Um, Cameron, do you have any more NBA related questions? That's I'm I'm all set in the NBA. I think <laughs> my brain is saturated with new numbers. <laughs> oh yeah, about. there was I mean there were so many things in there that I hadn't even considered. Like that the the rest having a negative effect. I guess we even saw that to an extreme extent with the bubble. You know, people mm -hmm. coming back and being kind of sell those first few games. Explains why Portland won Game One. Yeah, it yeah. does. Um, thinking about all that, how to measure chemistry, that kind of stuff. So a lot of really, really cool things to, to think about. Uh, I actually had always 
kind of considered the Clippers a de facto Western Conference finalist. So now, now I have stuff to think about. You got to think uh, about it. You got to think. Of, I mean, that's why they're. At night. That's why they struggled against the Mavs because the the rotations are getting back into place and they didn't have yep. that extra gear. Um, but then you saw in game two, they were they were able to find that gear because they had some minutes right. together and it starts coming together. But still, Paul George not being there clutch time, that's going to hurt uh, unless yeah. Kawhi can make up the difference. So For sure, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm set. Awesome. Sounds good. So uh, I don't know, Ernest, if you uh, if you caught the uh, the random rankings thing. Did you yes, make a list? Yes, I'm ready. Awesome. Yes. You're ready? Yep. Let's so, do it. I'm passionate about this one, too. Awesome. I know, I know you are, Cameron. Um, so <laughs> – our, our random rankings for, for this week is uh, the top five flags without the color blue. Um, Ernest, you want to start it off maybe? Sure. Like, I don't, I don't know how you do this every single time, but number five for me is China. Okay. okay. I just think there's so much history in that flag and it's mm-hmm. just red and yellow, so it counts. So yes. I've got China. That's good. That's a good one. I like that one. Max, you want to go? You want to give your five? Sure. My, so I'll say this beforehand. My five are sort of obscure. Um, awesome. I don't have a, too many big, big countries. Um, my number five is Bhutan. Um, nice. So I don't know if you've ever seen it. Um, John Max. Yeah. Yellow and or- it's got yellow and orange, and it's got like a dragon in the front. Um, and y- usually yellow and orange is sort of like a sketchy color combo to go with, but I think it works here, and the dragon on the front looks really cool. And you'll see later, I really like dragons on flags. <laughs> okay. Totally in on it. It's my honorable yeah. mention now. Nice. <laughs> so... My my top five are also a bit obscure, um, but I I went with a little bit less strong judging metrics than I usually do. Um, I just went by feel mainly. Mm-hmm. So my number you felt, five, you felt each flag. I felt. No, I literally just, just felt kidding. each flag. Felt. Oh, that's a material. Look at us dropping puns on the show. Um, so for five, I have Cyprus, and. Cyprus, I felt the confidence that they went into with this flag is just astounding. It's just a map of themselves oh, with, yeah. with like their wreath under I'm it. I'm looking at it I, right now. <laughs> I yes. love the confidence. I love the confidence. And you, you can't fault them. It's just an orange map with a white background. I like it. I like it. Cool. Yeah. My number four ended up being Switzerland. Okay. Because it's always neutral, so I might as well pick a neutral one for my number four spot, and I like the flag, so I was going to pick Switzerland for four. That's a legendary flag, too. Everyone knows the Swiss flag. Yeah. Yep. Uh, My number four is Albania, mainly because it reminds me of a Game of Thrones house flag, so it had to make the list. And I think the the red-black with the the little bird or whatever that thing is um, looks really tough. I like it. My uh, my number four flag is I don't I'm gonna butcher the name of this so don't come at me mm-hmm. but it's Maritiana and Maritiana. it's yep. it's got like a maroon green yellow uh, kind of color scheme and I like the simplicity it's got the crescent moon and the star and it's it's slick it's symmetrical which is important. And I overall, I think it's just clean, nice color combination. That's and it's got a cool name for, so nice. I like it. Oh yeah, I like that one. That's a good pick. Yeah, and yep. it's it's nice, right? It's it's subtle. So for for my number three, um, I got to give a big shout out to my Canadians. So Canada comes out at yes. three for me. Of course, uh, I forgot about Canada. 
I see Canada and I think maple syrup and I'm, I'm all about it. So Canada it. took my three spot. Cool. Yep. Love it. Um, my number three isn't a country. It's a territory, um, Greenland, but I, I think it's really unique. It's it, the only colors are red and white, but there's like a little circle in the middle and it's like flip flop. So the red's on top, white's on the bottom, which is the opposite of the rest of the flag. And I think it looks pretty cool. It's very unique. That is unique. Mm-hmm. My number three, I think, just graphically, would probably be my number one. But one and two have closer meanings to my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my number three is the flag of Sri Lanka. And right. the flag of Sri Lanka, it comes in two pieces. The first piece, the left side, is just two bars of color, a green and an orange. And it's just there. And on the right side is a picture of like a griffin looking thing holding a sword. <laughs> and it's golden and there's maroon background. And this entire thing is surrounded by like a golden background. And it's awesome. And I don't know what the symbolism is behind either of the, of the pieces. But it's, it, there's, it's just chaotic and I love it. And it also has a griffin holding a sword. How do you not like that? You know? True. No, that's a good one. It's my second that's honorable mention. That's a good one for sure. Nice. I'm going back to my roots for number two, guys. I am picking Mexico. That is going to be Mexico's my number two spot, right? Mexico's Tacos, Mexican yep. Coke, my heritage, oh, my family. Oh, Mexican Coke is underrated. Like it's it's, it's all call. day. So Mexico, yeah. all day, you know, tear down the wall, come over. Yep. Yep. Amen. My number two is uh, Hong Kong. Um, nice. So it's got like a little like flower thing going in the middle that I think is really cool. It's like a flower with like stars on it. So I really, I really like it. It's, it's nice and simple and clean. I like it. Reminds me of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So number two is also, I'm going back to my roots. I went with the flag of Ireland. I got, I got some Irish roots. Um, it's my dad's side of the family's Irish repping the set. Uh, they've got, it's just an orange, white, green, bars it is in no way creative but that's what the irish are known for um and (laughs) and you know what it's it's just i'm in here i feel it nice yeah that's it um so for my number one spot um cool runnings jamaica all the way i think that was the one (laughs) flag that i could could identify outside of mexico canada and united states when i was a kid because of that movie and I, and I remember specifically in social studies, there was a flag test that I did not study for. And the only flag I really knew by heart was Jamaica. <laughs> yes. And so I'll never forget it. And so, yep, that's what qualified with no blue Jamaica. That is perfect. Um, so my number one spot is Wales. And I know I mentioned uh, the dragon thing earlier. I'm really into that. It's, it's very prominent on this flag. It takes up the, the entire thing. It's like red with a little white and the green in the background. So yeah. it's really cool. Love they it. really dropped the ball not putting a whale on their flag. Is, is that just me? <laughs> no, okay. I'm with you on that. That's that would have been epic. I also have Jamaica as my number one flag. Yes. And it's yes. also yes. because of Cool Running. Yes. <laughs> that is the single greatest <laughs> sports movie of all time. Absolutely. I watched it. I watched it when, like, when I was a bit younger, and that scene in the bathroom when he's getting all psyched out to like to defeat the Swiss, and that that rhyme field of it, of them, 
It's just everything about that movie is fantastic. Jamaica, I love you. And you are my number <laughs> one flag without the color blue. Awesome. Awesome. That, that was really good. I think that was a good discussion. Right that was there. definitely a great discussion. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I guess the last thing we want to wrap up with um, is a music recommendation. Um, we typically do this, you know, sometimes with just Cameron and I or whenever we have a guest. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a, a song or an album or an artist that you're really into right now? Yeah. So I said, what can I bring that would be unorthodox to a music discussion that you guys wouldn't have already talked about? So I said, all right. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of them or if you guys do, then don't judge me, but I am a big fan of Anthem Lights. I'm all about content creation and acapella groups. So Anthem Lights, they'll sing a bunch of covers. They'll create their own songs, but um, it's a great acapella group and I'm all about content creators online. So Anthem Lights, go look them up, some good stuff. But if you want like a unknown artist that's up and coming in the UK, there's a female called Jody Fitzgibbon. She is absolutely talented. Name. Yeah, she is fantastic. I met her in Vegas uh, two years ago, um, and we've been following each other's stuff. She is fantastic. Go look her up. Her mm-hmm. stuff is great, and, and she's up and coming. So, yeah, Jody Fitzgibbon. Awesome. awesome. I'm definitely going to look her up. Um, so my recommendation is a specific song. Um, I listened to it. I think it was from, it was from one of the Pete Davidson movies, um, but it, it's called Paradise, and it's by Jeremiah. And um, I don't know, it's it's nice and soft. It's very relaxing. Um, I just love listening to it. So that's my recommendation. And then I listened to some some of his other stuff. Didn't love it as much, but that song in particular, I love it. My, uh, my music recommendation is an artist that I had, I had heard a little bit about recently just through social media or like... Uh, music recommended for you and i never wanted to try out but his, his name is code of the friend and he has like a cult following he's like a he's a hip-hop artist but he does kind of more melodic stuff as well and there are always people who I, I would watch say like he i don't know why he doesn't get as much like airtime as some of these other artists he's insane and that he has a cult following and i saw he did a song with my favorite rapper, Joey Badass. And I was like, oh, fine. I might as well listen to it. And the song is called BQE. And I just got turned on recently and I listened to it. And I was, I went, this is actually really good. And I went, I listened through his entire discography. And it is so good. So I get it now. I'm a believer. Code of the friend. You're part he's, of the cult. he's next. I'm part of the cult. I've been, I'm, I'm still a Joey Badass homer but yeah code of the friend he's 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 up there all right cool yeah i, I think that sort of wraps it up then on yeah. this episode of the field guys ernest thank you for coming ernest really thank you so much you. it was amazing having you yeah, yeah guys thanks for having me again into lab thursday nights live but friday yes. friday releases and if you guys ever want to come on you know the, the show is just made up of a bunch of podcast guys that come mm-hmm. on so you yeah. guys are always more than welcome thank awesome. you thank you um, until next guy, next time we'll see you guys later. Bye guys. Later, guys. All right, bye.